0: Hey, everyone. My name is Sumble Siddiqui. And I'm Alana Mallon, and we are two new Cambridge City Councilors, and this is our weekly podcast, Women Are Here. Hello. Hello. (laughs) How have you been? You know,
1: it's been been good. Yeah, I uh, went to a wedding in Canada. I was in Banff National Park.
0: The picture looked so pretty. Weren't they? Why is the water that color?
1: I don't know. It's
0: like a aqua yeah turquoise color
1: yeah it, it was just breathtaking and so katrina and lee and my friends got married and i was in the wedding and it's on lake louise and so it was just beautiful i uh, did some hiking minimal
0: i know right like uh, you, i took a little tumble from, from the hotel i walked <laughs> to <yeah>. the patio
1: <laughs> i did like hit my knee on a rock of <gasps> course and so
0: you should not be allowed outside that's what my friend said.
1: yeah <laughs> so yeah it's been good but how are you
0: I'm good. Um, somehow it was. I was actually in Canada this weekend too, visiting right. my dad. Uh, so I went to Vancouver, um, for a few days to check in on him. He had a stroke this summer, and um, it was really nice to be on the West Coast. But it rains there a lot. Yeah, like every minute of every day. Yeah. I how do they how do they do it?
1: I know. I I like the rain, as I've said. My tears blend in,
0: mm-hmm. but my hair looked bad the whole time. Oh. Like really frizzy.
1: You sent me that text with the cinnamon
0: Oh yeah, my dad. So my dad lives in this apartment where on the first floor there's a coffee shop with they make cinnamon buns. And so you're just sitting in his in his you know living room like oh I wonder what I should have for pre- what does that smell? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> you gosh. just like walk outside. There's hundreds of them in that place. Anyway, they're really good.
1: <laughs> that I really wanted some.
0: I could eat a cinnamon bun every day.
1: Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear um, your dad's doing better. Yeah.
0: Um, so this is a f- special Friday edition of our weekly podcast. It is. And this time last week, we were on the Jim and Marjorie show on U We are on our way. <laughs> Which um, Jim and Marjorie weren't even on the show. They were on vacation or something. But we did get to have um, Andrea Cabral instead as one of the hosts. She, I love her. She is the former sheriff of Suffolk County. She's the first female to ever hold that position. And then she was the secretary of public safety um, under – I can't remember which governor. But we've seen her speak. She's really impressive. And she was super fun on the show. Um, And she had to say a particular word over and over that I think she wasn't really (laughs) excited to talk Mm -hmm. about. Um, But it was fun. And I think – I would definitely do that again. Definitely, with that. Yeah, it'd be nice to meet Jim
1: and Marjorie. Oh, yeah,
0: because Jim was a Cambridge City Councilor. I'm sure he would have some wise words for us on how to survive. Um, So anyway, if you haven't caught that, we've both tweeted it out. It was kind of fun. Um, And one of the things we talked about on the show was the elections from last week and the really exciting results. Um, Iana Pressley was... Elected pretty handily um, over Congressman Mike Capuano to serve the MA7. Um, And it's, I I was so excited. I wasn't super um, surprised because it seemed like the energy was swinging in her direction. But I was really, really happy for her.
1: I was so thrilled. I missed the party because I was in Canada.
0: I can't believe you weren't there. I know. I was sending you videos from the party, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was I was glad to have those videos and see all the live uh, tweets and the, the, the Facebook video. And yeah, you know, we both canvassed for her and supported her early on. And uh, we're very happy that uh, she won. I think we, there were a lot of other elections mm. uh, that were all women. Um, there were some incumbents who've, who you know were also. I think who was it? Je- Je- Jeffrey Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's this woman, Nika. Um, oh God, Brian Rushing. Brian Ru- Byron Rushing. Byron Rushing. Byron, Byron
0: Rushing, Rushing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, and then Rachel Rollins won as the uh, new Suffolk DA.
0: I know everyone was really excited about that. She's not our district attorney. I'm excited for for them, but it's um, I was hoping for I was hoping for kind of a big change. Right,
1: right, yeah. We didn't. Um, I had supported Donna uh, Padolino for the DA race. I think the DA race is really hard because it, people don't know a what the DA does, and then right. b we've talked about this. It's like the last thing, and so. Oh, it's just, it really requires, like, major, major, major grassroots, and it's, it's so, Middlesex is huge. It is really big. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's big as Suffolk, but yeah, very, very exciting.
0: Yeah, and I, we went to a standout in Central Square um, to celebrate Diana Presley. She came, and she thanked all of her supporters, and one of the things I was asking one of her staffers was, is she going to have a Cambridge office? And if so, where is it going to be? And I made a big plug for Central Square, because I think. For sure. Um that's an easy place for people to get to on transit. Currently, the the congressman's office is over in the Galleria Mall on 1st Street. And it's not always the most accessible accessible place for, um, for residents. So I made a big play for Central Square. So hopefully, she'll be setting up her office um, early next year and figuring out a, a placement for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Really happy. Yeah. So it's
1: been a busy week. Uh, we've – it feels – I don't know what day it is sometimes, yeah. It's Friday. It has been a really busy week. We've had a lot of meetings. We meet Monday as a city council, but we've had committee meetings. So we're going to give you a little bit insight to what those were about. I chaired a meeting on our retail strategy report, the new vacant storefront report that just came out as part of an item in our economic, economic development and university relations committee uh the, the high level there is we discussed the fact that, we, you know, we have a low vacancy rate, about 4%, uh, and a 5% vacancy rate is considered healthy, and we shouldn't let it get to zero. And we both talked about this, but, you know, that number doesn't tell the whole story. Uh, you know, if we have a very low vacancy rate, but we have a previous shopping district that's all banks and Amazon pickup locations, that's not ideal either. Right. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of the fact is it's also not equal across Cambridge. And there's a difference between the kinds of property owners we have. Some of these are big institutional investors uh, who get ta- tax write offs by leaving their properties vacant. So even if it's, you know, right now, you know, 33 vacancies or, th- or storefronts being vacant, um, you know, I want to, I wanted to get a better sense of, who you know is it five people owning all of that? You know, is it really different different owners? So you know, we have some of that data available, uh, and the our economic department has been working on it. But it, it, it's still you know one just one big vacancy can be an eyesore.
0: Yeah, and that was one of the things we asked uh, both myself and Counselor Carlone, like what percent of that four percent is actually owned by the institutional investors that are getting a tax write off just by leaving it empty? And so what. It, I think once we know that number, it'll be easier for us to figure out how to penalize, if right. possible, um, and not leave those storefronts vacant. I think one of the things they talked about, because you're, you know, you're right. Like some of those, um, if you have one big frontage in an area and it's empty, it can really deaden the streetscape. Um, and one of the things they talked about was um, hiring some artists to do a wrap or some of these uh, empty storefronts. So they would put artwork up on the um, outside of the store, which doesn't fill it, unfortunately, but it does make it a little bit more appealing. So if you have been in Harvard Square recently, the place where Ann Pizza is going to be on the corner, for a while it was just like the empty, you know, Tory Row and and the newspaper place, and it just, you know, it gets cluttered and it looks bad. Um, And then they wrapped it with this, like, really bright, like, and pizza is coming, and it does make a huge difference. So that was one of the things we were excited to to hear about. Um, And then one of the things they presented was they just started a vacant retail database, which is now going to be updated quarterly by EDD, which I think, you know, can be onerous and tedious, but... EDD is looking to integrate a crowdsource site, like we saw one called hoodstarter.com, which allows residents, so you and me, um, if we see a vacant store in our neighborhood or see one that's coming open, we take a picture of it, put it on the map, and then people in the neighborhood can just say, you know what I think I would love to have there is a bakery or a shoe store or some, you know, get out of the room have you seen those?
1: Yeah <laughs> whatever
0: the escape whatever it is people can kind of crowdsource just to kind of have a good cross check with our EDD department because there's just one person that was going out and you know putting all this information in but it would be great um, to have sort of something that the public could get involved with and EDD and just have a cross check. Um, currently Starter only operates in Minneapolis but it has some cool features. Um, so I look forward to seeing what they might do there. I think, you know, we can post the retail strategy report. I think there were some great great things that came out of it. Some of the things that I was really in support of, in support of were hiring a small business liaison to work directly with the business associations and the small businesses to directly support them. This would increase the functions that EDD already performs like doing workshops for business associations and businesses and would be invaluable as we try to understand sort of this rapidly changing environment of retail and get ahead of it and try to figure out how to adapt uh, for Cambridge.
1: Yeah, and they told us they've posted a position for a senior manager and I believe this small business liaison would hopefully be a part of uh, that person's responsibilities. Uh, They may be hiring, I mean, I think we... You did talk about this, like the EDD departments, you know, it's a small team. Yeah, right? it is. I
0: think they were all at the committee hearing and yeah. it was three people. Was three people.
1: And so it is it is a question of, wow, if, if it is more staff, we should be getting more staff to really work on some of these issues that mm-hmm. – uh, because, you
0: know, they are – they probably need the help. And we've identified them as something that we, as a city, really want to work on is – Supporting our small businesses, keeping our retail environment vibrant, and not just a bunch of banks and um, other dead scapes. I mean, there was a public commenter, and I'm not remembering her name, and I apologize, but she was the owner of Bob Slate Stationers, was talking about, you know, a bank is one thing. It's only open until four o'clock every day. So at night, that is a dead space, whether or not it's vacant or not. So it's just something to think about when we think about um, EDD and the the job that they have and trying to... Determine if there's any way that we can live in the streetscape or, or direct some of that energy. So, um, the other strategy that I thought was super important was implementing a website like Boston has, which is. Um, boston.zoningcheck.com, which allows businesses to check locations for existing zoning use regulations. So if you're looking to site your business and you have 10 site options, the zoning check would allow you to rule out locations that don't currently support your business model. And I think this would be valuable for businesses and seems easy enough to do.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that they've, again, it's a capacity issue and I really want them, you know, they have the database now, but this would be so helpful. Some other cities, like boston have a similar zone checking it's just it it saves time (laughs) you know and heartache and like if you're
0: a small business owner and you there's you've you're choosing between two sites and one you already know supports your business type and one doesn't you waste a lot of time Mm -hmm. um and that's what we would what we would prefer not to have happen
1: yeah and the other thing we talked about uh was also for my interest was being an attorney just the legal help for uh these business, small business owners, we are we do have some consulting services that the city is offering. Uh, Leaf Legal does. Uh, it's oh, a, new Leaf Legal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. They're in Central Square. Yes. And uh, they have been contracted to the city to advise some entrepreneurs and so forth. But we do have a lot of other resources um, because you know there's the Harvard Transactional Legal Clinic. There's students who are working on this work. Uh, there's there's uh, like low bono. Um, services there's a lot of different legal providers there's
0: low bono like a low price and pro bono is free yeah oh okay look at me yeah. i just figured that right yeah, out Yeah, you did. I just threw around those jargon and i picked it right you up you did
1: you did so the and the couple of things uh, that all businesses can agree on that would help them directly is reviewing and streamlining that per- permitting process and potentially adding staff uh, in our inspectional services department to speed up approval process. Uh, we were told anecdotally that it can take up to six months or longer to move through the permitting process and open up. Uh, and yeah, that's, it, it's, you know, just having worked with small business uh, owners and Lawrence and Lowell and um, Lynn, you know, it, they are, this is like, the, this is a, their baby, right? And so the, the permitting and, the longer it takes, the more risk they're in, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, and I know that some landlords, so, you know, if you have a local landlord, they will give you a couple of months knowing that there is the permitting process and they will, you know, allow for a couple of months, but six months is a long time. No one's going to do that.
1: Yeah, and to be paying rent and not to be open, like that that sets you up really for failure. Um, And the stats show, like, the first three, you know, years of business are so, so three to five are so difficult. So if you're already, like, Behind not the ball. behind the eight ball, you know. It's unless you're at some institutional, right? You know, tenant, your bank, you're, you know, you Starbucks. have, you're capitalized. Exactly, you'll be okay. But if you're a mom and shop, mom, shop, you know, you want to start a coffee shop, you know, that's or you know, a micro the, brewery the or odds something. Odds kind of stacked against you. A exactly. Bit. So we do have a land use classification. Boring, uh, <laughs> boring, boring. <laughs> that would help with this process. We are still um, waiting on getting that implemented. It's being worked on. You asked a question during that meeting of timeline. I was like, "When? When?" And and then I just yeah. paused for
0: a long time.
1: No, it was great. <laughs> yeah, we um, from that meeting we co-sponsored a policy order that uh, you know we asked EDD to regularly update the vacant property database as well as review the strategies presented in the storefront vacancies best practices report and report report back on the feasibility implementing. Um, some of the new recommendations that as a group we came up with in the committee. But I thought the hearing went well.
0: It went really well. And I have to say, we, our first meeting with economic development it was like in March. March. I didn't feel this optimistic. So it was really great that they took what we said kind of at that meeting and, and you know took some resources that they had been given in the previous um, city council term and really kind of ran with it and came up with some great strategies that I hope that we can implement for Absolutely. our small businesses. Um, the other meeting that we had this week was about bird scooters and scooters in general. So if you don't remember, uh, in July, uh, a bunch of scooters were dropped on the streets of Cambridge without warning, without permit. And um, citizens and residents, some of them loved them and some of them didn't. Um, and so we actually had a cease and desist order and they picked up all the scooters. But now we're sort of in the process of talking Through what it would look like to have um, electric scooters on the streets of Cambridge. And so we had a big uh, hearing. On Wednesday. And Vice Mayor Devereaux, she held an excellent hearing on the electric scooters this week, which was really incredibly informative. And she did an amazing job of getting the people around the table that needed to be there, and everyone was very well prepared. She runs a great meeting, I have to say. Um, And that's not an easy committee to run. I mean, there's always something going on, and it's always sort of heated. Um, There was local news coverage of it as well, so that was interesting, too, to hear what they reported versus what kind of I, I heard during the meeting. But basically, what Most of what was discussed was around the legality of the scooters under current state regulations. So under Chapter 90, Section 1E, which is motorized scooters, which is clearly written for mopeds, um, you know, that you see sort of sometimes on the streets. It requires a valid driver's license and turn and stoplight indicators on the motorized scooters. So the electric scooters like Bird or Lime, they don't have the light-up turn signals. Bird does have the light-up stop signals, um, but I'm, I'm not sure about Lime and the other companies. So in order to for the e scooters to be compliant under current law, we have to wait for the state regulations to create another category in the next legislative session, which starts in January of next year. So Joe Barr said at the meeting that Mass DOT had notified the city that it would not rule on the law's applicability, leaving the city attorneys to make the call. So he said during that meeting that our city solicitor's interpretation is that the law does apply to to the electric scooters as currently written. And given that people, I just, I have a lot of questions about that, um, about her decision um, and whether or not there's any wiggle room there. And, you know, I I think that needs to be a conversation moving forward. I also think, you know, I see people riding around their personal electric scooters all the time. They look just like the bird ones, uh, but they don't say bird on them. And then, you know, those people that have the one wheels and electric skateboards, And I see them everywhere, and we're not enforcing these personal mobility options, so I'm just not sure how we can rule against having them on one side but then not enforcing them on a personal side. So that was mostly what we talked about was the legality and the legislative piece of it. What we didn't talk about really was – What we should be asking for in terms of a license fee, community benefits, social equity programs and things like that, which I would really want to be discussing before putting these back on the streets and permitting even a pilot program. So Indianapolis City Council just voted in June to have electric scooters, but the following requirements um, they put in place, which I thought looked interesting, um, a $15,000 annual permit and license fee to every, um, every operator. $1 $1 per day per scooters to the city to pay for better bike lane infrastructure, a $25 fine for people who park uh, the scooters in a prohibited area. Um, they required a 24-hour customer service line and to hold liability coverage to protect the city and equip vehicles with either a bell or a horn, um, which both Lyme and Bird say that they already do. The, com- the companies would also have to tell users uh, to wear helmets to yield to pedestrians and to explain proper parking procedures. Uh, the devices would be required to be parked upright which they t- both talked about this tip over te- technology um that the scooters have i'm not sure what that means but um we'll have to figure that out uh, but and also that the devices wouldn't be allowed to block the entrances uh driveways or streets so I think that's a great place to start I also spoke there was somebody at public comment who was talking about requiring a driver's license and that that would be prohibitive for some people and I I really wanted to talk about that and make sure that we're not creating barriers to entry for those who don't have driver's licenses and are also not well served by other transit options, like some people who are living in public housing, you know, they don't have great bus infrastructure, they aren't close to the subway, um, they may not have a, a blue bike station near them. So I think it's important um, to make sure that we are removing barriers to a very low cost uh, option. So one of the things we were talking about at that hearing was that I keep it's blue bikes right yeah Blue Bikes does not require you to have a driver's license. They just ask you to enter your birth date, and they go on the honor system. So I don't see any reason to require something more onerous for you know another shared mobility platform. There have been studies and data collected that these low-cost, per-ride fee, low-barrier devices are being adopted more rapidly than the traditional bike-sharing programs that have a monthly cost like Blue Bikes in you know, low-income communities. And I will stress again that I did say and have been reading that this is um, a mobility option that is being adopted faster by women than by men. So, um, yeah, I like that question. I I, um,
1: I, think it was a good meeting as well. I dropped by. I'm not on, on a member of the transportation committee. Someone made a
0: guest appearance. I made a guest appearance, <laughs>
1: but I wanted to go because it's been, uh, it's just, it's a very hot topic. Uh, hot topic. And I had asked a question just about uh, there have been these articles that have been saying oh the hospitals are getting a lot of oh, uh right 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 uh, you know people w- be
0: injuring themselves injuring
1: themselves they're seeing a lot of bird related injuries mm. or whatever electric scooter injuries so i wanted I, I was like you know is that actual data like where are we getting that from um and so i think They may just, it just may, because it's beginning and people are getting used to the technology and how to ride a scooter. I I didn't, have you been on one of those? No, they
0: took them off the roads before we could even get on.
1: Yeah, they, they brought like some to City Hall, but I didn't get a chance to.
0: Well, I know they were, like, upstairs in the chamber. Like, yeah. were we just going to ride I, around upstairs? I know,
1: I know. I was like, we're no, not, I not that.
0: That's not happening.
1: I, and I personally won't do it because, you know, my ankle. You probably fall. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's also some talk of collaborating with the MAPC, the Metropolitan Planning Council, on developing similar programs, regulations, community benefits. And a representi- representative from uh, MAPC was there to express support for this and There was a recommendation from the city staff to develop a regulatory framework for all micro mobility devices instead of just looking at scooters at this time.
0: So, yeah, and the MAPC, so that would be, you know, neighboring communities like Somerville and Brookline, Boston, um, Arlington, and just kind of getting together and saying, okay, we don't all want to be negotiating with these scooter companies. Um, Let's come up with something that works for all of our communities and just go to the scooter companies and and present them. One of the things... I was concerned about um, was that there's like 12 different scooter companies yeah, and how would we handle that and I think what would happen is we would put out a request for a quote or request for a proposal with um, and asking for like social equity plans and you know where are they going to where are they going to give us some of these community benefits and pick two or three operators um, that would you know quite honestly put together the best plan um, one that makes the most sense for the city so I saw those 12 and I was like, are we going to have like 5,000 right. scooters and like this one and that yeah. one? Um, you know, I it's not my favorite thing that we just have one bike share company. I I mean, that yeah, is, it's I, the way that it is and we have a non-compete. I and think we, had we had nothing to do with that decision. Correct. Yeah. Well, correct. But I, I think with scooters, we might want to think about having a couple of different options, especially since who knows, a tw- all, all 12 can't survive. No. Right. So it is going to... You know, people are going to start merging. People are going to get bought, um, but just having a couple of different ones um, just to kind of diversify a little bit, I think, is probably the best way to go.
1: Yeah, and so for those bird uh, scooter fanatics out there, oh
0: yeah, it doesn't look like it's going any time soon. uh,
1: You know, the legislative anything we do, likely it seems, will require some kind of legislative approval.
0: Well, (laughs) I would say it probably depends on this. This, yeah, we have we have have to.
1: There's a lot of legal questions uh that uh, have to be figured out first yeah uh, and, and if, i'm not
0: the person to do that but, me either but you're a lawyer yeah but, but ooh, not, you're not the city not lawyer. a municipal lawyer that's
1: a whole <laughs> other thing anyway
0: we'll, we'll keep you posted and um when those birds are back out or lime is back out or whoever comes back out we'll tell you yeah and if it gets going we'll we'll go
1: on a ride with you all no
0: you're not getting it you're right i'm not never
1: okay so we're uh,
0: moving switching gears we're pleased to report did you just say gears because that's funny did i I get it (laughs) i love a transportation (laughs) pun uh who we could become
1: (laughs) all right so we're pleased to report the new quiet zone will go into effect at 1201 a.m tomorrow let's remind people what the sherman street quiet zone
0: is yeah Uh, you want you go for it i like when you when you talk about it oh okay here we go Yeah. So right before July 4th um, at Sherman Street, kind of where Jose's is, um, the MBTA started blaring their horns every single time they went through the intersection. They no longer was a quiet zone. So those poor people over in that neighborhood have been suffering through horns blaring from six in the morning until at least midnight every single night. All through the summer. It's been awful. Um, And the city has been kind of working through trying to figure out what to do. So take it away, Sambal.
1: So there's a multi-step process. Uh, We have a city page set up to this. Uh, The city completed all construction required for the quiet zone, including installation of medians on both sides of the crossing and relocation of commercial driveways adjacent to the medians. Uh, The construction work in the area will continue for at least another week to complete uh, adjacent crosswalk improvements and the other finished work. Uh, The city's been coordinating with the federal Railroad Administration, FRA, and the MBTA to make sure that the new quiet zone designation is communicated to all relevant railroad and community rail operators. Um, it, it, it's, you know, I, we won't bore you with the detail of the so many steps that have need had to take place you can actually look at those up online uh but it has been um i think the city has really been trying to work as fast as possible since this landed um i guess it was june early like late june it was right before because i remember seeing joe
0: bar at the coffee shop um Right before the July Fourth holiday, and he was like, "Oh, my, I can't believe this yeah. is happening."
1: Yeah, so it, it definitely—I understand. It. It's probably felt really slow to. Oh, hundred oh, yeah. percent. And I really, my heart goes out yeah, to those yeah. residents. I have such hearing issues, so I'm like hate noise. So I can't imagine. <laughs> uh, so as a, as a, as a next step, the city will pursue approval from the FRA to modify the medians to allow for improved access to the parking lots adjacent to the crossing. Uh, we will send out updates on the progress. And there's a project website, uh, cambridgema.gov slash Sherman Street Crossing. Uh, and you can go on there and, and you take a look at the all the dates, the, the pertinent dates of when we've had to get approval and waited for approval from various uh, folks to, to actually implement the quiet zone.
0: And I would say in this, um, this iteration of the step of putting in these medians and closing these driveways. I just want to say a huge shout out to the residents of Bella Circle, Jose's, and Cambridge Montessori School, because I know that this isn't going to be easy for them. um, And they are going to be putting up with some additional traffic and some um, workarounds. And they've been incredibly um, helpful. And I know the whole community is grateful to them too. But I'm just going to add my thanks. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, So we do have a meeting on Monday, our first meeting in six weeks, um, city council meeting, which is crazy. We had the one over the summer and then the one for Monday night. I just picked up my book for Monday night. I did start to cry. It is huge. It's a baby. It is. (laughs) <laughs> it weighs as much as a baby so I know what I'll be doing all weekend long if you see me out just buy me a coffee same um, same
1: <laughs> something stronger than a coffee
0: <laughs> um so that'll we'll report back next week on all of those items um there's too many to list yeah right we're not now. gonna bore you now but we can talk about fun stuff because we are gonna take a break tomorrow from reading our book and go to the Danny he family park day which is um tomorrow at Danny he park from 11. To four, I think. Eleven, six. No, it's probably till four. Yeah, we only have the start time on here, but um, it looks like it's going to be a beautiful day. It's always really fun. Um, there's tons of rides for kids. Last year there was an electric vehicle area where you could like. They're doing that again. They are. It was really cool. I wanted to drive one, and they said no. Rude. I know. Ooh, maybe this year oh you know what's so funny and last year i had to wear my like Alana Mellon melon for city council t-shirt <laughs> i was it's so dorky when you're wearing your your name on your shirt it's just the weirdest thing so i'm just so happy that i get to go tomorrow and just be a person
1: oh that's great i didn't have a shirt maybe next year. but
0: you didn't need a shirt oh you, you don't need a I shirt i don't want a shirt i needed anyway. a shirt well no because it's weird because then you're like what do you do with these shirts i just wear them to bed
1: And then it's weird you're
0: like in your house. (laughs) Oh, I love myself. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah. So come by. uh, We'll be there. uh, You can dunk the mayor. He signed (gasps) up. Oh, that's right. uh, And I'm excited to do
0: that. I have been saving my dollars. I have been too. Will they take quarters? (laughs) (laughs) Is it quarters? What? I feel like there were some other council members that were, like, going to do it, too.
1: Yeah. I, I think it's just him. I know school committee member Monica Bowman signed up for it. Oh, she did? I think Anthony Galluccio signed up for it. Some well, others did. Oh. There's a
0: schedule.
1: Oh. Uh, Mark is going at, the mayor is going at 1145, if you uh, would like to join me.
0: Well, you know, he can't swim. Oh. So there's this, like, funny, pi- the, the, the graphic they picked is him, or is like, this guy in a suit. Like, he looks like he's drowning. Oh, that's a So anyway, good joke. Stop but, yeah. by, dunk the mayor, dunk school committee member Minica Bowman at some point. Yeah, yeah. So and
1: come say hi to us. Uh, two events that I wanted to tell you about uh, that are coming up, and I really want our listeners to save the date. So the first is get your calendars. Out. Get your calendars right now. I'll wait a second. <laughs> Go do it. Okay. All right. Uh, so save the date for Friday, October twelfth at six thirty p.m. Uh, there is a Muslim artist named Rohina Malik coming. She's kind of doing, she does a lot of the traveling, um, she's a traveling theater artist and she's a Pakistani woman who does a one woman show mm. and does a talk back and it's a, about her experiences post 9-11.
0: Oh, I'm dying to see this. So I've just put made it in I've, your calendar. I've just put it in my calendar.
1: And, uh, you know, my theater teacher, Monica, uh, who I met when I was 15 years old, were very good friends and she had seen uh, rohina perform earlier this year and said, "I really think we should bring her to Cambridge. And Where's that going to be? It's going to be at the Fitzgerald Auditorium. Oh, at the high school. At the high school. Oh. So." Please That's big. It's it's big. I, so please come. I, please, I, you can't be just Alana. <laughs> <laughs> and that'd be nice, but really save the date. Please bring your families. Uh, it's thirteen or over because it deals with some hate crime issues. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, it, aside from that, uh, you know, I, I really would love the community to community to enjoy um, this show and 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 get a sense of. Uh, different perspectives, so uh, and especially different faith pr- perspectives yeah. as well. So, please save the date for that. The other thing to save the date for is October 17th, Wednesday uh, at 5 30, uh, and it's in the same auditorium. Uh, the city of Cambridge is hosting conversations on uh, an implicit bias. So, the Cambridge Citizens Com- Committee on Civil Unity uh, will have a pres- presentation on implicit bias by. Dr. Um, Banaji, she's the author of Blind Spot: The Hidden Biases of Good People. Blind Spot will also be available to purchase uh, through Porter Square Books at the presentation. She is a pioneer in researching the subject of implicit bias for decades. Uh, it's so implicit bias is the concept of hidden biases that all individuals carry from a lifetime of experiences. With Blind Spot cover social groups age gender race ethnicity religion social class sexuality disability status or nationality. I've seen her speak. It's a tremendous conversation. This is also part of the conversations I will be hosting along with Mark Mayor Mark McGovern. This is a part of them
0: uh, on race uh, and and community. So great. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think I'm going to um Look for this at the library, so I have it before before the actual thing yeah right? i I hate when you show up to something and you're like, "Oh, I should have read the book before oh I got absolutely it. Yeah, right. yeah, we should read it, maybe you should read with us, so
1: that's all I have for save the dates any any save the dates on your end?
0: um, I don't think I have anything. Uh, it's weird. I feel like there's not a lot going on this weekend, weekend but, no. um, I think it's important to put these things on the calendar, um, so that you all have them because the fall gets so busy.
1: It's good. So get busy. So, and it'd be great for, to see you
0: all there. Oh, and October 17th, I'm going to be in New York city. That's right. We, we are we are going to New York City um, to do some really interesting meetings um, October sixteenth through the eighteenth. But you're flying back specifically for this. Yes. yes. Okay. Well, so I'll miss it, but I'll definitely read the book. Yeah, I'll fill you in. Uh, so the other, so not to end on such a sad topic,
1: but uh, I'm thinking of the Lawrence community today and the Merrimack Valley community, North Andover. I on Fridays I go to Lawrence to do my legal aid work, and our offices in Lawrence are closed today. Um, they've been dealing with a really awful uh, situation over there. A uh, spokesman for the state marshal's office said investigators are focusing on a over pressur- pressurization of a gas main owned by Columbia Gas, which serves about fifty thousand customers in and around that community. Um, and they had been upgrading the equipment in that area, um, and. Uh, i don't know what happened but it there's been over 70 explosions and someone was killed
0: a young man he was 19, 18 year old, yeah, yeah 19 yeah i it was so bizarre like i i didn't watch the news or or see anything until i think like early this morning i didn't even know what was happening and god can you imagine
1: i oh it's awful
0: it you know what it was like really heartening though was i the the Public safety response from regionally and even outside of regionally, like the North Shore, kind of all got together and and really got all their fire engines there and made sure that they put up, the, up those fires. And there wasn't as much loss of life as there could have been, um, and loss of property. But you know, even are the Cambridge police, um, we sent we sent some of our police officers up there yesterday to help out, and then this morning to help out with traffic because there were so many lights out, there were so many cl- roads closed. So, thanks to the Cambridge police and the other first responders on scene for really um, taking on this huge, huge, huge project of keeping people safe.
1: Yeah, so please, uh, you know, keep these folks in your uh, thoughts.
0: I did see that Ayanna Presley tweeted just before we got in here that um, violence in Boston is doing a drive for Andover, um, North Andover and Lawrence. So, if you are interested in, in, you know, donating she is doing a drive you can check out her twitter and then i know that um liam's lunches of love reached out to me this morning they are putting together some meal packets for folks who are staying in shelters up there and they are looking for donations either of food or of money to purchase food i know they're putting those together this weekend so you can check them out Um, just google liam's lunches of love and uh I know they would be grateful for anything that you could help with. They are a great little organization. I know we've talked about Liam before. He's a, a more School fifth grader who makes it his life work to um, make sure that people have enough to eat. So they've jumped right in on this one, and it's a, that's a great organization too.
1: And these communities really need it. Lawrence is one of the oh my gosh, poorest yeah. communities um, in the state. Uh, it's outside of Cambridge and Boston. It's where I've really more it's the one place i've worked the most and um it's it, it, you know i'm thinking of all my clients and i'm thinking of all my friends out there and um, they there i will be posting things over the weekend um on my page on twitter and, and to what alana said there are things be happening and i think it would be really
0: helpful for if people in cambridge want to donate and, and get involved And I I did hear this morning on the radio that the Red Cross is taking any and all volunteers and you can go onto their website and and sign up for a volunteer shift. I'm sure they'd be grateful to have you. Yeah.
1: Well, on that note, uh, I hope everyone has a great weekend.
0: We will see you at Danahee Park Day, we hope.
1: We hope, yeah. It's (laughs) going to be a beautiful day. Yeah. Please come dunk the mayor. Yeah. And please give us hugs because we have a huge book to read.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But we'll be back next week and fill you in on all the happenings from Monday night and uh... We'll talk to you next week. See you soon. Bye.